0: Well, it's all looking a little bit dicey in equity land, but the balls seem to be back. And we've got NVIDIA front and centre, and they're really bringing home the bacon for shareholders at the moment. We've got a bond market, which seems to be driving the show once again, and the US dollar very, very sensitive to moves coming through in bond yields. We've just seen a really, really ugly set of PMI numbers, but we preview the Jackson Hole Symposium. This is the trade-off. Well hi there, my name's Chris Weston, I'm Head of Research here at Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined in two seconds from my good friend Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be going through all the factors that are going through in this crazy world of markets, the thematics, the themes, the setups, and the news flow that we need to talk about and dissect and look at where the probabilities sit. But before we do, I want to say a big congratulations uh, to the ATP, uh, 50 year anniversary of the rankings coming through. And for people who have seen that, may have actually understood that, that Pepperstone are the keynote sponsors of the ATP. We're really, really proud of our involvement in the tennis. And, and so hopefully people have seen that one going forward. So here's to another big 50 years uh, for the ATP. And obviously with Pepperstone, very much involved in that one at the moment. Anyone to bring, bring Blake into the program? Uh, I'm going to riddle this program with tennis puns today, of course, in that situation. Blake, I can imagine you sitting at your country club with Mrs. Morrow, uh, playing a bit of tennis, a bit of... Uh, yeah, badminton, some of the racket sports. Are you a, are you a big tennis guy?
1: You know, uh, Chris. Uh, first of all, um, congratulations to ATP. And I've been known to play my my fair share of tennis, but but these days, at the age of fifty one, I tend to be more uh, uh, table tennis and and pickleball. You know, pickleball's taken over I've the US. Heard, so, I've never uh, heard of pickleball. What's pickleball? Tell me about it. Yeah, pickleball is just like very short, small court uh, tennis with wiffle balls. It's a crazy sport. It's almost a, it's <laughs> it, it, it's but. But it, it's funny, but it's really popular. It's crazy. But I, I, I always fancy a good good uh, t- tennis match myself. It wears me out, and it's a great workout. So,
0: yeah. Do you not get down to the old uh, to the ranches and and, and get on the, the you know, cow um, cow riding and, and horse riding and all that sort of stuff? Negative. Road, I think they rider. call it rodeos,
1: don't they? They do. They do call them rodeos here in the U.S. Correct. <laughs> not your thing, anyway. <laughs> My
0: listener,
1: uh, uh, sorry. You wrangler, you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's go into topical funder. Let's go in straight into the markets. Let's see what's going down. I want to talk about equity markets because, you know, we were looking um, pre-Opex at the market looking like it was rolling over. Yeah, we'd seen a few people looking to buy vol, um, you yeah, know, looking position for slight downsides. Um, and obviously since the since the start of the new week, we've seen – yeah dealers obviously sitting on on some short inventory you know they're looking to hedge their you know they've obviously short delta a short gamma last week they're looking to hedge out their deltas and they're probably obviously sitting on a sizable short futures position in equity land and they've probably bought some of that back this week um but then we've seen um yeah bond yields looking like they want to roll over a little bit People, a few buyers stepping in and've they just just a, a little bit moved lower in, in in long end rates both nominal and, and and real rates have caused growth to come back in and have just been Pleasured with this absolutely amazing result coming through from NVIDIA. I mean, they've absolutely smashed it out of the park once again, reminiscent of what we saw back in May. Obviously, not quite the same reaction playing through, but they've managed to lift Microsoft, some of the other AI names, and and NASDAQ Futures have gone up for a lift there as well. So, yeah, with the equity market moving a little bit higher, certainly growth and, and tech working once again, the question is, Blake, is it sustainable?
1: Well, um, first of all, your title says bad news is good news. And and the first thing I want to say is today, um, when when I was with uh, with with the Forex analytics community, we were talking about the bad PMIs out of the U.K. They were horrible. And we had you know, we had we, we had seen the German uh, services PMIs come in below 50, I think. And the UK PMIs looked horrible as well. I can't remember which one dipped below 50 for the first time in a while. But anyway, ahead of that, I'm like, you know, you got to be careful because if the US PMIs come in worse than expected, which I expected, um, I'm like, you got to be careful, you know, with with stocks. Stocks might get a knee-jerk reaction higher, but, you know, growth concerns might eventually weigh on the markets, but we didn't get that today. I was positioned right for it, but my idea of equity markets kind of Turning a you know t- turning a little sour that didn't happen I think the markets were waiting for the Nvidia earnings which you know AI is gonna you know obviously Nvidia is the next AI company that's gonna build killer robots so uh, <laughs> that are gonna take over the earth so apparently you know Nvidia is the stock you want to own right well, I mean, Sarcasm sar- sarcasm aside though I mean you, you th- there's a lot of things that kind of work for equities today but remember I think it's a lot of positioning too and we have key event, Jackson Hole, coming up at the end of the week. Actually tomorrow. So. Well, yeah, we talk about that in a second. But yeah, I,
0: I do think yeah, this that that rates valve's come off. Yeah, yields have come off a little bit lower and that's just allowed tech to to, to really fire up. I don't actually think markets were necessarily short in these names. I just think, yeah, that, that just a little bit of the discount rate coming down is just has seen capital move from areas to other areas of the market, perhaps value into into growth again. The question is, is: Is has the bond market got got legs? I'm 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 skeptical, to be honest, that we're going to see a a, a really big rally playing through. But what was really good about this is, um, <clears throat> if you are looking to hedge yourself against recession risks in Europe, in in other places, then I think tech has has revealed its hand again as as probably the place to be in the equity market because you know you've got predictable cash flows, you've got you know all those big mega cap techs are, are places to be in, in the hideout of, of lower growth because you're gonna get potentially a lower discount rate, which is gonna increase those cash flows and, and the present value. So I think tech's just revealed his hand. <clears throat> if you want if you are looking for slower growth around the world, tech's the place to be. I think, yeah, obviously gold will do quite well and, you know, we're looking at rates trades, but I think tech's just revealed its hand and, and yeah, I think there's probably going to be outperformance in the short term there.
1: That's a good idea. And, and, and worst case scenario, if there is, you know, if, the, if we do see equity markets continue to slide, um, you know, tech's going to be one you want to be buying on the dips uh, for sure. So anyway, that, that would be my thought too, Chris. And, you know, it's going to turn us to our next topic. And I, I want to talk about uh, the U.S. because something that you have said quite consistently over the last couple of months, and, and, uh, and it's something that I hope our viewers have taken home and made money with. Uh, talking about U.S. exceptionalism. You know, that's been kind of the the name of the game over the last couple of months. Uh, And like I said, week in, a week out, you mentioned U.S. exceptionalism. That's the trade. The dollar has been the reaper of that. I mean, we've seen the dollar rally quite substantially. But the data that we saw today begs the idea that the U.S., at least near term, exceptionalism is over. And this is like one of those Conversations that I had with with our traders today about how I feel that that this has been such a strong story. And I still feel that at some point in the future, the market's going to look and say, you know, the US, even though every shirt is dirty in the hamper, the US might still be the cleanest, dirty shirt in the hamper. But right now, I think what we're seeing with a couple things, we saw the PMIs come in. Uh, you know, worse than expected, and they're I think growing. that's going it's to still be still growing. The norm. though they're still growing. It's it is. Like that in the- it is. It is. But but we also saw we also saw the jobs data get revised down three hundred thousand jobs today as well. Less than expected. You know, there's a couple. It was expected, but those are so big I'm numbers. Today, <laughs> uh, I know. Hey, stop it! I'm trying to make a point here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the 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 fact of the matter is is I think that U.S. exceptionalism that story is kind of. I don't want to say stick a fork in it, but I think we're going to be sidelining that for a while and we're going to start to see expectations come out of the US, which is going to hamper the dollar, at least for for, for the very near term. I mm. am a dollar bull mm. probably going into the end of the year, but right now I'm a little skeptical about US exceptionalism. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's been a big topic of conversation. Yeah,
0: I, um, and it will remain so. I have no doubt about that. It's one of the big drivers of the US dollar on that small theory that that you know works so well. Um, I'm 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 not against I'm not backing against the exceptionalism story. China, we haven't heard anything that that's really tangible there. Um, yeah, you're going to get some trading rallies, and we are seeing trading rallies in CNH and and and, and the Chinese equity markets, but nothing solved there at the moment. Um, Europe, well, look at their their service numbers and and, and their composite numbers were well, awful. Yeah, the UK, where services now are in contraction for the first time in about 30, 31 months or so. Um, I don't think the U.S. is is still on a relative basis still looks pretty good. <clears throat> that said, it, it is slowing down. And, and you know, um, we are going to see payrolls next week, you know, coming out at a slower pace, in my opinion. Um, you know, there are areas of the, the, the housing market. I know new home sales were really strong last night. Um, but, you know, mortgage rates now in the U.S. are 8%. Um, that is going to impact going forward. So I, I, I'm not giving up on exceptionalism. I still think it's the best place to be. I still think we're running around 2.1% GDP for this quarter, which is well above trend. There's not many places in the developed market right now where, where <clears throat> excuse me, where current growth rates are above trend, and you're getting that in the U.S. So whether that's priced into value into the dollar is yet to be seen. Um, but I think if, if you're looking for the relative growth play at the moment, the U.S. is is still the best place, in my opinion, right now. So I'm not giving up on it. But I'm not one to bet against the great man, Mr. Blake Morrow. But I think, you know, for me, um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, go, <clears throat> go and have a look at um, Barkin yesterday, the, the Richmond Fed president. Yeah, he is saying that the, the risks are symmetrical, that they could see a re acceleration in economics. Again, it just makes us, you've got to be open minded about economics. And that's just traders. We've got to be open open minded. We don't even. We just have to be open-minded about the tape let alone the economic situation so anything's possible it's calling a yeah calling the economics has been a, a tough one but yeah i still think for me just to answer your question I, I think the us is it may be slowing down but it's still relative to the uk europe all those other places i still think it's it's probably the best growth area kind of like our women's uh us national soccer team right right yeah. I know, Spain would say something about that and, and maybe the maybe the ponds as well. But there you go. <laughs> Moving on. I want to have a question from um, from Moen. Um yeah. It, it was a question about um, uh, yeah, the the that was a sort of multifaceted, um, but one of the things we took out was It was a playbook uh, going from from into September into the end of the year, uh, and I think it was based on a point that you made Blake uh, a while back about yeah you know, getting past summer liquidity um, and, and you know things really ramping up going into into September. so I think you know, Mom's pretty interested in that point, and so I'm going to bring it to you if we can just tick over the uh, the, the timer just to keep to, to keep us on point there, Mr. Producer. Um, now, as we go through I, I want you to, to, to touch on you know your experiences, Blake. Um, with liquidity and people coming back to their desks. Um, But if I look into September right now, yeah, we've got non-farm payrolls on the the 1st of September, 163,000 jobs expected, so that is a slower pace. Um, RBA meeting coming through earlier the year, Bank of Canada, 6th. We've got the CPI number in the US on the 13th of September. Really, really important there. Uh, and then the back end of the month, 20, 20th to the 22nd, we've got the Fed meeting, the Bank of England meeting, and all the so Bank of Japan meeting. So that are the kind of highlights that I'm looking for. I think certainly that September CPI print is going to be really, really important. And September is, in the last 15 years, the worst month to be long, um, or the worst month for the S&P. I think we've averaged a decline of 1.1%. Um, And actually, it's been a pretty good place to be long US dollars. So it's rallied 10 after the last 15 years and been a pretty bad place for gold. So I'm not really a massive fan of seasonals myself, but I will say, you know, we've got some big ticket items coming through. September generally is one of the worst months to be long US stocks. Hopefully we see a bit of volatility. Um, But, you know, how how are you you sensing this participation that comes back after the to the Northern American holiday, the, 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 the European holidays? Big ballers coming back to their desks. So, are, are you expecting high volatility? How are you adapting your trading strategies to that?
1: Well, I mean, well, that's a good question, and I'm expe- expecting a lot of volatility this this the second half of this year. So, you know, being in the FX market, being here <clears throat> on uh, the trade off is going to be the best place to be, yeah. uh, bar none. So, just remember that. Uh, so, when we come off of September, or uh, excuse me, end of August, we have the the um, Labor Day holiday. Usually after Labor Day, trade, traders start to trickle in. They start to have meetings, and as you pointed out, there's a lot of central banks meeting. Key 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 one being the the FOMC. Uh, uh, September was it twenty twentieth twenty yeah twentieth um, um That's where we're going to get the quarterly projections, the SEPs and all the stuff. So that's why it becomes a bit more important, right? It it does, and I, but I think the the pace is going to be set based on what happens on Friday uh, this week. So on at Jackson Hole, which we'll talk about here in a second. But the way I'm looking at it is, especially technically, I think any rally needs to be sold because on a weekly basis, we are forming a lower high. And it, that, that's been very evident over the last month. So any type of rally that we see right out of the gate uh, going into September will probably be sold into. And you that's mean to so rally, in be, equi- rally in equity markets? Rally in equities, rally in risk. And I'm looking to sell into it or buy dollars on, that, on, on a dip if we get it, because I think the dollar is going to be the safe haven trade. However, going into the second half of the, or the, the remainder of the year is going to be really dependent on on the Fed. And, and I have to imagine that, and again, we're going to talk about expectations here in a moment with, the, with Jackson Hole, but I have to imagine that the Fed is going to keep a steady, steady pace at this point. And so, with that being said, you know, I, I think that, you know, the markets are going to have a rough half of the second, of, of, you know, as we go into the fall. And then maybe set us up for a nice, you know, Santa Claus rally. We call it, you know, the Santa Claus rally at the end of uh, November going into December. Uh, but just because, you you know, you'll have maybe portfolios being marked up. But let's just put it this way. I'm looking for some downside as we head into the end of this year. And uh, I, I think that forming a, a lower high on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, it's not a good look for the markets. I wouldn't be surprised if we trade below 4,000, um, you know. Before we trade to, to new highs, put it that way. I think so. I just want to go back
0: a second before Mr. Producer starts waving his hands in the air like he does. But um, um, we talked about this idea of, of, of bad news being good news, and, and yeah, look, it's been good for tech, and then that, that's when you start getting that, that re reconcentration risk again. But I think what we'll see um, is if, if we do see you know, higher for longer, and, and we do see um, you know economics really starting to. Yeah, to, that pace of decline really starting to accelerate either because China hasn't got that fiscal solution maybe because Europe continues in its way the UK and maybe that flows through into into a weaker US um, I think there will be a tipping point where bad news will be bad news for risk I, at the moment it's good because people are so worried about like the, the, the discount factor and, and high yields um, but I think there will be a tipping point and 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 I think we may get to that point where bad news means that just people mark down growth and and people say that it's going to be bad for earnings and margins and bits and pieces, and then that you know that will just see a broad based pickup in volatility uh, and I think we'll get to that point at the moment bad news is good news, but I think we'll change that that fairly soon and maybe that comes into
1: October some that kind of time we'll see I, I, I think except- you know and I, I know we need to move forward but i i ha- i I cannot agree more because a recession in this case. Is going to mean negative for for risk. Well, it's just all been that,
0: that recession trade has been pushed back, 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 back because the data's been so strong in the US. Um, but it wouldn't take much, I think, for, for people to start looking at that trade again. And that trade is very clean. You know, gold, for example, which is one of the best places to be there. Um, you know, the positioning's just come right out of the market. Very clean structure there. You know, sofa rates for next year. Yeah, you know, we've seen you know, rate cuts really coming out to about 106 basis points. It's all very clean at the moment. The recession trade's been pushed back. If we were to see, you know, a series in the data that says, you know, actually it's back on, um, yeah, you know, that, that then I think equity markets go lower. So that's an
1: interesting one there. And and that and that brings us to our next topic. Um, I'm, I'm gonna um, before. You know this happens. Uh, let's go over to Jackson Hole. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to Jackson Hole. Let's talk about expectations versus reality. See, you know uh, it's it's interesting when you 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 talk about Jackson Hole. There's a lot of people. Their expectations is, you know, the the Fed chair is going to do nothing. He's he's not going to say anything meaningful. I I, I tend to disagree because the market's going to dissect uh, every single word that comes out of his mouth and other Fed governors, the regional ones they're going to be dissected and parsed and and we're and it's going to translate into price action in a very thin market. Um, Other expectations that that I've heard recently are that central banks are getting comfortable with higher rates or excuse me, a higher rate of inflation and that, you know, their 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 terminal rate might be here because and, and they might be able to accept a higher rate of inflation moving forward. And I think that expectation is way off base. Uh, I I think the the Fed and every other central bank totally understands that you know inflation at current levels is not it's will fall in the same trap that we fell into in the eighties in the in the late seventies early eighties. So uh, you know when you talk about expectations versus what's going to happen, that's what's truly going to be driving the markets is what people are expecting. And here's the only thing that if you're a stock market bull, this is the only thing that you need. You need the Fed. You need to walk away from from this weekend thinking that, hey, maybe the Fed won't. They won't raise rates one last time in 2023. That's all that the market needs you know to to push it a little bit higher as we go into the end of uh, end of august but there's a lot of expectations i think reality might be a little bit different what are your thoughts going into jackson hole this week i i'm i i i don't see this being a
0: volatility event i'm obviously could be wrong but the question is is yeah if i'm holding positions into that meeting would i look to pair them back because i think there's going to be a big move i wouldn't be too concerned i mean obviously yeah, I want to be in front of uh in front of the speech. It's going to be yeah five minutes past midnight on Saturday morning for us. So, you know, if I'm holding um, positions over that, then I know it's a risk event that I've got to manage. Um, but anecdotally, right now, I feel like it's not going to be a massive volatility driver. And why do I say that? Yeah, look, he's going to talk about this idea that that they're getting to a point where. You know they can think about leaving the leaving the Fed funds rate unchanged for a period of time. Yeah, but they're not going to do victory laps. He's not going to do victory laps at this point, and that means that they, when they leave rates, right, so that they, they, yeah, this higher this for longer mantra is very much that's there, that's priced into markets, and he may. You know, say that when we when we leave them, we're going to keep them held for a period of time, but we'll be open to the data changes that come through. The other factor is this 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 idea about i star r star. You know, this this real neutral rate, which is the which is clearly higher than well, in some people's eyes, higher than where it is at the moment because you know we've got a fed funds rate five and a half percent, but yet economics are still running above trend. You know, is a two and a half percent longer run neutral rate still valid? John Williams, the New Fed president, doesn't believe it. That's the case. That should be that should be lower. Um, But the market seems to believe it should be around about sort of 3.8% if you look at forward rates. Uh, So that's a big exploration point. Um, We know that Jerome Powell is not a fan of our star, so maybe he's not going to touch on it too much. But if he does, do I think it's going to cause massive volatility? Probably not. I'm not so sure. Um, So, yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some things that we need to explore in it. Do I think it's going to cause a... you know, lasting move in markets? Probably not. But obviously, that, that's a risk that we need to manage. So, yeah, you've got to be in front. And, and this is perfect for your time frame. So, again, it just comes into that idea, you know, it, we've got this big event that that's being highly anticipated about. Um, and Jackson Hole has been the frame and the forum for major changes in, in policy settings. Certainly, Ben Bernanke will speak to that one. <clears throat> And, and our job as traders is to see these event risks and ask ourselves, where's the skew of risk around this? Is this a potential for a volatility event? <clears throat> and do we want to hold our positions or do we want to reduce our positions and manage the risk over that? So that's what we're doing and that's what we're trying to understand around this meeting. So that, that's a really big one there. Anyway, let's go to the yeah, charts yeah. and matter. Let's go to uh, that's the setup. I got a few uh, a few bangers going on today. A bit of a bit of diversification coming through in the, in the course. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, and we can see the first one I want to bring up, Blake, is the Nas 100, the Nasdaq 100. So I've got this chart here. We we tried to break through those those uh, those June lows. So I've got a bit of a, a frog in my throat today. Um, and we, we've taken down. We've made a. We've found really good support coming through um, at those lows. Um, don't exactly know the number, but yeah, we we we, we went through the fifty-day moving average. We got down to those lows, but we found support. Really, really positive stuff, I guess. And yeah, obviously, we've seen the fundamental drivers with yeah bond yields starting to fall a bit lower, both on a nominal and a real basis. We saw ten-year real rates breaking out um, into two percent, um, and that sort of caused a lot of angst in markets. Dollar rallied on the back of that, but that's just sort of come off a little bit. And then we've seen you know, obviously, seen this, this fantastic result from Nvidia as well. Um, are we back here, Blake? I mean, yeah, we, we we're back at that sort of horizontal resistance where we sort of sort of saw a bit of a failed breakout. Um, I want to buy the Nasdaq here um, now that we've broken back above that 50-day. I want to buy it, but if I'm going to do it, I'm doing it very very small size. How are you seeing it?
1: Well, you know, if you if you if you let your mind do any wandering, um, this could this could if we if we stopped around here today tomorrow, uh, you know tomorrow. Afternoon for you, whatever. If we stop, if we stop around these levels, we might create some sort of head and shoulder pattern. Um, do I think that that's the case? I don't know. I, I think equities have a little bit more left, uh, juice left in them as we head into this week. And I think that the 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 way the dollar moved today ha- it warrants um, you know some some warnings if you are bear. So I, I like I like the Nasdaq. I, I hate I hate saying that after such a big run. Uh, but I'd like to see how it reacts near these near these levels too. I think it's a setup because it's a very pivotal level. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that if you break below that red line, that's mm. where that's where you know your risk. You, know your you risk. have to be on the short side, right? Yep. But but right now, as a setup, it's a pivotal level. I think we could go either way. It's a kind of well. This, but, is, this uh, is where ex,
0: this is where execution can come in really really handy. So. You know, I'm, I'm I'm warming to it. I like it. But you know what? This is where you can use buy stop orders quite well in the market because you put a buy stop order just above that yellow line, just above the, the high of that bar. Uh, and what you're doing is, is you're letting the momentum ride into it. You're letting that flow. If it continues going, hopefully that body in motion stays in motion. And so rather than limit orders of buying at market, yeah, by buying on stop, a lot of new clients would say, why on earth would you want to take a worse price? Well, you're just you're just hoping for a momentum trade. So we've seen some encouraging signs. It's closed above the fifty day. Really good range expansion. Market closed on the high. Good breadth in the Nasdaq, driven by such a good result with Nvidia. Um, and what we want to do is just yeah. For me, is leave a buy stop order above that yellow line. A lot of those buy uh, those those breakouts obviously fail. So you want to cut it out very 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 quickly. Um, but what we're doing in that situation if it keeps going, you're just letting that momentum going through so again that comes down to your execution and that's where buy stop orders can work quite well in these markets
1: yeah well you know i'm glad you brought that up because i'm going to take i'm going uh, to ta- take our next setup over to corn this ha- this happened to be one of our viewers uh uh questions uh first of all eduardo thanks for writing in and and, and don't forget guys and gals we're we're taking your questions so make sure you write that down in the comments down below, so we can we can we can you know take a look at some things that you want to see. But Eduardo wrote in about the dollar Mexican peso analysis uh, last week. He said it was great. I do want to say that um, I went long the dollar mex. VIX couldn't break above the 200 DMA. And when it came back down, I, I sold out of it and took a little bit of a loss. So, you know, I tried to play it, but we just didn't get that breakout on the VIX that I really wanted to, to step on it. So anyway, um, but he said, I would like to see the next week, the chart of corn. I think it's very interesting technical support, but but its fundamentals don't help too much. And I'm not a corn trader uh, and I'm not an ag trader, but I, I will tell you that weather is going to be a big driver. On corn, you know how you know how many bushels are being <laughs> being uh, you know delivered, and you know how much is being produced, and 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 all of those different factors. But I will tell you, technically, we are trying to form a bottom in price with a divergent relative strength, so you can see that clearly. But what I'd be looking for, if you're going to do an upside breakout, you, you'll notice that the the, uh, the the spike highs in August were right around five twelve bushels, so somewhere around there. Uh, on this uh pepperstone uh cfd so you break above 515 or so that's going to be a previous low from you have to go back uh, to last year um you know if we break back above that that'd be bullish and it'd be a bullish technical breakout where you can utilize those buy stop orders that chris was just talking about so yeah. chris what do you think <clears throat> about corn here
0: well yeah, i have no i, I couldn't tell you about the fundamentals it's one that that, that that you know you put a bit of time into it but the market tells you what they want and and, and one of the great things about agricultural products um, and markets i love these markets um they trend you know they, they trend w- with a duration if you're a trend follower if you're a cta of yeah th- these are the these are the markets you'll end up yeah your job as a trend follower is to, is to have a, a wide universe of, of markets because you've got to pick out those outliers and quite often you'll, you'll see these agricultural commodities um coming up and you know, as you can see there, when you get these big moves, like we saw back in September of last year in Q4, um, we just had these big moves and we saw this big move down. So is this the start? If, we, if we've got this divergence, this bullish divergence playing through, could this manifest into, into, a, into a trend? Well, we have absolutely no idea. But one of the great things about corn and you know, soybeans and all these kind of orange juice, sugar, all these kind of markets is when they go, they go, they go. And so that's why I love them. Put them on your radar. They do, obviously, spreads are not as cheap as euro, dollar or gold or bits and pieces, but you pay for the movement, you pay for the trend, and you're and you, you really well compensated for that situation there as well. So, yeah, it's been a nice mover. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think you don't, you don't need to know the fundamental story. Yeah, prices are, are, and, and trend and, and technicals is really what you want to be looking there. So um, I've got no say, but, if, yeah, we've got bullish divergence it could, could snap up, and this could be one that, that, that trends really well. Anyway, Blake, I want to go to a viewer question. Um, I actually got a personal DM to my Twitter uh, from Robert Cassidy, uh, and he was talking about the gold-silver ratio. Because last week we were talking about uh, long-short stretches. Uh, we were looking at Russell against the Dow. That the trade hasn't really done much, to be honest. I'm I'm out of that because it's not working. It hasn't lost me any money. It's just sort of pretty neutral. Uh, but I think there was a a little bit of interest in in this long-short str- trading strategies which you can do now. Um, one of the ones that we've been seeing quite a bit of interest in is, is gold silver ratio. Um, and you can see here, uh, actually, what we've got, we've got actually, I've got for the wrong way around, it's actually the silver gold ratio. So silver is the first, is, is the numerator, and gold is the denominator. So what we're actually seeing there is gold, uh, sorry, silver outperforming gold. Uh, in that situation because you can see the the recent green bars. So silver is outperforming. So what we would do in that pairs trade is we'd look to go long silver and we'd go short gold. And effectively, you're just netting off the difference between the two. Yeah, look, if both go up, uh, if silver goes up and gold goes up, well, obviously you want silver to go up at a faster pace. And that's generally what we do. In these long short strategies, it's really important that not all markets are, are, are created equally. And we do know that silver Uh, has a bigger percentage move. It's what we call a higher beta market. So a lot of people, when they're doing these strategies, when you start really getting funky with this, is, is you'd have to beta adjust this. So we know that silver on any given day would go up 3%. Or two and a half percent when when gold goes up one percent. So we're just when we're talking about position sizing, and getting it correct. We just need to beta adjust silver to make sure that we're comparing apples and apple on a beta basis. But look, I think this 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 continues to go higher. I think we get a breakout here, uh, Blake, and I think silver continues to outperform, and that 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 trade works quite well in my opinion. So still staying long silver, uh, short
1: gold. I think in this environment, any views? So you think it breaks here? It breaks to the upside, which is which is interesting um, because. We've had a 9% move higher in silver over the last few days and gold's only moved like 2%. Yeah, it's a bit overdone and, uh, at the I mean, moment. I'd probably be losing,
0: I'd be using a bit of weakness to, 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 pile, uh, to, to get, pile into, to get into, but yeah, it's a stretch. But I think, I think um, given what we're seeing at the moment, I, I, I think that, yeah, let, let's revisit this in a couple of weeks. Um, because i think this will be be nicely higher than that situation. The great thing about pairs trades long short strategies is because y- you are looking at a relative play it is what in itself is a lower beta strategy. So typically we would hold on to those positions a little bit longer than people. You'd never really use these to scalp the market or take, you know, intraday positions. These are positions that you can hold for a period of time. Um, but
1: i think in the next couple of weeks this will be this will be nicely higher. Awesome. Well, you know, I think that's a great setup. And like I said, silver's been absolutely bonkers this week. I haven't been able to wrap, wrap my head around it, and I'm glad I'm not trading it currently. But I like that Paris trade, Chris. So you, always, you always bring the goods. Interesting um, one, Blake. I just, next- want to, just want to touch this before we go
0: on sort of that. Yeah. Iron ore. Uh, yeah, we don't trade iron ore. Um, yeah, iron yeah. ore futures in, in, in China, it's difficult to get, to get those contracts. But iron ore is an interesting one as well. I mean, I. They're telling you something about stimulus there um, that, that a lot of other people are not seeing. So iron ore has been absolutely ripping and I mean, it's been supporting the Australian dollar. But maybe some of those industrial qualities of silver may be getting caught up in that, in, in, in that sort of coppers moving up a little bit higher. We've seen um, yeah, iron ore really going pretty funky. And maybe that, the, uses of the the industrial use in silver, which is obviously much more prevalent than gold, maybe is supporting silver in that situation as well. That, that's a
1: great point. Actually, that's a point that a couple of my uh, my colleagues at Forex Analytics were saying the same thing. Like, well, I guess the industrial application of silver, maybe that's the driver. And you might be right. Iron ore, complementing uh, silver, or silver complementing sniffing, sniffing out the
0: sniffing uh, out um, the the Golden Week holiday in China and, and and expecting those furnaces to ramp up.
1: I guess. There you go. All right. Well, my uh, my my next uh, setup is going to be the euro dollar, and I, I'm going to. talk my book a little bit here the euro came right to a confluence of support Uh, the great thing is is when it came down the 200-day moving average the dollar index was in breakout territory this morning following the uh i say this morning because for me it was like 15 hours ago when uh the uk uh the uk eurozone pmis missed expectations dollar rallied dollar dollar missed uh on those numbers the dollar turned around the euro rallied right off of that 200-day moving average right off of channel support right off the 618 retracement which therefore really defines your risk into this next week or into the jackson hole symposium now i know that if we break below 108 it's kind of lights out for the euro and it's probably you know uh the dollar is going to go into straight up squeeze them all time because the market is still positioned short dollars and and long euros so right now we're playing into that trend and i'm playing into that trend as well but it all really uh you know it's it's all about on these setup, it's all about your risk. If I can sit there and go, Chris, I'm willing to risk a hundred pips to make two hundred to three hundred, that's fine by me on a setup. And mm. so that's how mm. I'm viewing the euro. How do you see the euro here? Well,
0: we've got Christine Lagarde speaking at Jackson Hole as well. And and you know, the market's paired market, yeah. <laughs> markets yeah. paired back expectations really, yeah, quite quite substantially now for the next ECB meeting. Um, yeah, we've got seven basis points being priced in now um, so we've paired it right back and yeah, expectations have really come out of EU, EU rates which is interesting we found support when very little has been priced into EU rates it suggests that if we were to see anything that, that just keeps it up then then you are going to get um, maybe some upside playing through um, but yeah I, I, again I mean this is one that, that I wouldn't be touching at the moment I'm not I'm not touching it, and and but I'm just waiting for the market to come up. Yeah, we've, we've we've bounced off that that channel support, but does it does it go higher or do people sell into it? We don't know yet at the moment, but I want to just see a little bit of buying coming into it, um, and then maybe I'll I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, but my preferred trade is actually just you know set the alerts. If price can close below 108, then then I'll be looking to short that because I think that would be much more meaningful. Awesome, there you go. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Let's see what's on mind. I've got a bit of a, a, a trade on dollar yen. Um, I don't have a huge conviction on it because you know we're 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 still not a million miles away from those highs, and I, I still quite like the US dollar. And, and as I sort of talked about, the 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 um, the exceptionalism story is real. Um, but like, yeah, I think this. I think that, that there are there is some scope now building for this to to push a little bit lower into one forty three. Um, yeah, we've we've made that breakout. Looks like it's failing. Yeah, the market to try to break through it didn't didn't like it. Um, really, just lacked that emphasis playing through. And um, yeah, we've seen the ten year coming off. We've seen ten year real rates. You know, tips effectively coming from around two percent. We've we've dropped yeah fifteen basis points or so, and that's just taken some uh, some relief out of the U.S. dollar. Um, it's hard to like the yen. I know we've got um, Jackson Hole. I know we've got Tokyo CPI prints tomorrow, um, but. I think the fact, the fact that we've come back inside that range, that former high, um, gives me some conviction uh, that, that we may, you know, see a little bit of longs coming out of the market, and perhaps we can go and target that fifty-day moving average, one forty-three. So, yeah, I like the shorts. Um, I want to just leave a pretty tight stop on the trade, just above that recent highs. Um, and I want to keep my position size pretty low in this market as well. So if I lose, I lose small. Um, so I think this has got scope to come down to 143. <clears throat> pretty tight stop off 146, keeping position sizing low in case I'm wrong. And may look to flip the trade if it if it, if it pushes back above 146. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, I think there's there's some scope now building for 143.
1: Ooh, I love false breakouts, man. And and one of my one of my colleagues at Forex Analytics said this today and I found it really interesting. PMIs missed in the UK, they missed in the Eurozone, they missed, you know, all through the Eurozone, they missed in the US. But in Japan last night or 24 hours ago, they beat expectations for yeah. PMIs. Think yeah. about that for a second. Talk your about exceptionalism. <laughs> exceptionalism story coming through Japan. <laughs> mm. you've got a all central right. bank it's,
0: as well who just doesn't believe that inflation's gonna last. And you right, know, when, 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 know, when you we, see when you see global growth rolling over a little bit and um, and um, yeah, then they're, they're, they're validated in their dovish stance, so that's why people like the yen in that environment.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see. It's going to be an interesting one. But thanks for bringing that up, Chris. But one I'm going to bring up is, for my play of the day is the Euro Aussie. I'm already starting to nibble on the long side down here. Now, um, I it says I'm hedging, and you you might go, well, Blake, you're long Euro Dollar, so you're long Euro Aussie. Yeah, because we're trending higher, and this also is hedging against. You know what i see as a potential train wreck in china now uh, chris you you brought up a little bit of a you uh, you're making me a little bit of a worry worry here uh, now i have to go look at iron ore as soon as we're done because that wasn't something that was really on my radar over the last few days so now i'm gonna have to go look at it but i i like the euro aussie on the long side as long as we stay above the 50 dma we have a third we have we have a retracement back down to the 166 breakout point there that red horizontal line um and the 50 DMA those areas should offer some buyers to step back in. I think we're going to be supported. And like I said, if we have any type of risk off or China continues to be an issue, and we, we instead of them shooting a bazooka, they they're just shooting a you know little BB guns. If that's <laughs> going to continue to be the case, the Aussie is going to stay under pressure. If the Aussie stays under pressure, the Euro Aussie I think is going to outperform. So I'm hedging a little bit, maybe long euros in both cases, but I'm hedging against. You know, a rally in, in in equities or a sell-off in equities. Really. We haven't talked. So- we haven't
0: talked about the um. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We haven't talked about the CNH, the the Chinese offshore yuan. Yeah, at the beginning yeah, of this not- week, uh, earlier this week, we were getting quite excited about funding rates. Tom, next rates went positive for the first time in a while. We saw one month, um, yeah, uh, uh, forward points going. Yeah, deep from deeply negative to, to positive. and people were like, oh yeah, funding costs are going up. It's going to be expensive to hold yuan short. and that had big implications for FX markets. Um, but that was pretty short-lived. So yeah, dollar CNH still very much front and centre. Um, yeah, the PBOC are pushing back on that one. They continue to push back on yuan weakness through the fixings and also through through funding channels as well. So I think that's definitely one that still needs to be very central to the Aussie and actually for the dollar flows more broadly. Anyway, thank you very much for everyone who's stuck around and watched us. Hope you got some enjoyment from the show and hopefully it's beneficial to your trading. We will see you back next week for more of the trade-off. Click the like button if you can and actually leave a comment on how you're trading the markets and also any setups that you want us to analyse and go through with our thoughts and your own thoughts uh, for next week. See you then.